Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Colossians, the third chapter, beginning to read at verse 12 and reading through verse 17. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with, with, with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, you have given us your word as instruction. Enable us to hear the message that you have prepared for us this day. Write it upon our hearts that we may live it in our lives through Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Can you believe this is the new year? The fifth of this century is almost gone. Seems like only yesterday we were talking about what it meant for the year 2000, the 20, 2000 to come around. Here we are again at the first of a new year. It's the time to talk about what our plans are, what, we, what our goals are as we look into the year ahead. It's a time when all of us in some form perhaps make resolutions that we think we're going to keep. Some of those resolutions are very worthy. Some are not so worthy, almost selfish, almost egotistical if you think about it. Look at a pro athlete who, whose one goal in life is to get the largest salary he can possibly get and larger than anyone else's. Or look at the politician who is willing to get elected at any cost, no matter who it hurts. For many people, success is measured by who gets the biggest salary, or who has the largest position, no matter how they got there, no matter what their public image is getting there, no matter how arrogant they may seem, they want that number one position. So here we are in the Christian church on the Lord's Day. So perhaps we need to ask ourselves as Christians, what is our goal for this year? What plans have we made? How do we plan to honor God through the year ahead. A number of you, and perhaps many of you, have studied and learned the Westminster Shorter Catechism. If I were to ask you what the 118th question was, you may not remember what that one is, but if I were to ask you what the first one is, you might tell me, what is man's chief end? And man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Is that our controlling passion? If you've ever studied that catechism, you know that should be our goal. That should be the purpose that we have in our lives. 
In fact, anything we do, from the work we do, from the time of, for how we use our time, anything we do relates to whether or not we glorify God through those things. That's a very humbling thought if you think about it. That every move we make, every word we speak, every action we take, every use of our time, whatever we do, relates or adds to or detracts from the glory of God. How then do we correct it? How then do we honor God with our lives? Well, you have to understand what glory means. Glory means praise, honor, distinction, renown, and the list could go on. How then do we do these things towards God in the year ahead of us? We begin by becoming fully conscious of the fact that everything we do from the time we are born until the time we die either honors or dishonors God. That's true whether we were in a crowd of people, whether we're on a mountaintop alone, wherever we are, everything we do honors God. The impact comes from the commitment we make, which is evident wherever we are and in whatever we're doing. Sometimes we don't realize the impact that we have on other people in our lives. The opening hymn that we sang today, that we often sing at a, at a communion service, which you didn't use today, is Amazing Grace that is written by John Newton. You perhaps know the story of John Newton, but if you don't, his mother was was a very saintly lady who spent her life washing clothes and doing what she could to support her family. Her husband, on the other hand, was a sailor who was gone from time to time for long periods of time and went from ship to ship, and John followed his example. Finally, John himself ended up as a, as a servant to a slave trader. When he was finally able to escape that, he too became a slave trader. But his mother stayed at home. She continued to wash clothes, and she did one other thing. She continued to pray for her son, John, hoping that in time God would change his life and make him convert him to the type of person she knew he could be. And at last, John Newton was converted. He became one of London's most eminent ministers, and as a result of his experiences, he wrote to him, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. History does not tell us much about John Newton's mother, but in her own humble way, in the quietness of her life, through her commitment, she brought glory and honor to God as she prayed for her son daily. Jesus himself was aware of the need to bring glory to God. In John's gospel, he said, Father, glorify your name. I would say Jesus brought glory to God every day during his ministry as he ministered to the sick and the lonely and the shut-ins, to those who were hurting and to the outcasts, to anyone who needed him. He was there to minister to them. His goal was to glorify God in all of his words and all of his deeds, even 
to his death on the cross. Anytime we follow Christ, we honor God. Begins by a willingness to, to acknowledge that God comes first in our lives no matter what. To follow that as best we can with the opportunity to serve where God places us to serve. One of those story, one of the hymns that we sang this morning, the first one, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. If you look down in the left-hand corner of that page, you see it was written by a lady by the name of Fanny Crosby. Fanny was blind from the time she was six years old. I read that as a young girl, she learned her Bible, where she could repeat the first five books of the Bible, the book of Ruth, the book of Psalms, book of Song of Solomon and most of the New Testament. Fanny Crosby was also one who recognized God's goodness in everything. The flowers she smelled, the sounds that she heard, the stream running over the rocks. And so she began to describe it all in words of her poetry. Any person, she was also a person who made up her mind that no matter what, she was not going to let her blindness get in her way. She was described as one with a happy heart, one who did what she could to make life better. She truly glorified God in everything that she did. Fanny Crosby not only brought glory to God, but look how many people she has helped along the way. How many people have been inspired by singing and listening to words of some of her great hymns. Hymns like Blessed Assurance, Tell Me the Stories of Jesus, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, Draw Me Nearer, Jesus is Tenderly Calling, and the list goes on and on of the hymns that she wrote. You might say in her own humble way, she used the opportunities that God placed before her to bring glory to him. Perhaps not in a greater way, but God wants the same from you and me. He wants us to bring glory, honor, and praise to him by using the talent, the abilities, the whatever he has given us in service to him and service to other people. Fanny Crosby did that in spite of her, Ill, in spite of her handicap, and the blessings she brought to other people still resound even today. You and I also bring honor to God as we bless other people. Is this not what Jesus meant when he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory and honor to your Father in heaven? Or as Paul in his letter to Peter wrote, Live such good lives among you that they may see your good works and glorify God. These and other thoughts from the Bible give us other reasons that we should also glorify God. Think about it. The prayers you make in behalf of other people who may never know you're praying for them. The witness of your daily lives as you go down the street and someone sees you or as you leave church and someone recognizes you coming out of God's house. Or the prayers like John Newton's mother made for those many years that she prayed for him until he finally converted and became a Christian minister. Our responsibility as God's people is to honor God whenever and wherever we get the opportunity. 
This is why the Holy Spirit continues to work and to dwell in our hearts and our lives, to lead us and guide us and direct us in such a way that we have an opportunity to bring that glory and honor to God. One of the distinguishing marks of a Christian is what others see in us. And what they see us do, what they see us say, the way we treat others, and how we react to other people, how we handle crises in our lives, and the list goes on. A man by the name of T.M. Jones described well the idea when he wrote, Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Is that what people see in you? Do they see the beauty of Jesus in what you do? what you say, and how you react to other people. We accomplish this as we strive daily to make our lives a walk with Jesus. Sometimes we think of necessity that we bring to honor and glory to God when we're around the church, and we certainly do that. Sometimes we forget or become lax in the fact that We should also bring glory and honor to God, whether we're on the athletic field or in the workplace or on the golf course, wherever we might be, we need to bring honor to God. And yet we tend to excuse it many times by saying, well, that's the way it's done in those places. But our obligation as a Christian, 24 hours a day, whenever, whoever sees us, we should try to be a Christian. Paul understood this when he wrote to the Colossians, as we read, as God's chosen people, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Do we wear these clothes? Do we wear them at work, on the athletic field, wherever we might be? Do people see these things in us? There was a man by the name of Wesley Duwall that wrote, let all you do enhance the fame of Jesus Christ. So as we move ahead into this new year, we need to be challenged by Paul's words. We need to be challenged to make our chief end glorifying God in all that we do and wherever we are and in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. We need to be challenged to set before others who are watching us worthy examples, whether it's in church or at home or in the workplace or wherever we might be, so that in due time, the seeds that we may plant by our lives bring forth a harvest in God's time. So we ask ourselves again, what is our chief end as Christians? Our chief end is to glorify God, to enjoy him forever, to, enjoy, to glorify God 24 hours of every day, no matter where we are, what company we find ourselves in, what circumstances we find ourselves, wherever we are, let us make our resolution this year that we will glorify God. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, you bless us in so many good and wondrous ways in our lives. You've endowed us with talents and abilities that we may use to lead others to know you and to inspire to be inspired by the things that we do in our lives that may cause them to know you better. Enable us as we go through this year ahead of us 
to set before others worthy examples that they may indeed bring that we may indeed bring honor and glory to you through what we do. These things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.